0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church message podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We've been in this in this series uh, called "Elephant in the Room," um, which is stating the obvious. Really, it's it's there is an elephant in the room when it comes to certain topics about Christianity, when it comes to certain topics about following Jesus, when it comes to certain topics about just our spirituality in general. And 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 so this is the the time that we've dedicated just a few weeks to really, um, really, really dive into uh, um, unfolding these, unwrapping these ideas. And, and these concepts and, and taking a look at the Bible, because a lot of us, we probably have a preconceived notion of, of, of what we think about God. We probably have a preconceived notion of what we think about Christianity, what we think about Jesus. And, uh, and and so I'm trying to, we're trying to unpack some of those things and really just talk about those things and go to the Bible ourselves instead of uh, believing everything that we hear from everybody else, right? So so this is what we've been uh, taking the time to do. And, and last week, we talked about alcohol, and that was, uh, this whole series is made and everybody shrivel up like a raisin. I love it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, so if you want to check that out, please go to our YouTube page. You can, you can uh, check, that, check that message out. It was, I think, it was really good. And, and God spoke to uh, not only myself, but a lot of us, I believe. And so um, this week, however, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about some good stuff today. We're talking about intimacy, and uh, that's your cue to get your kids to kids' church if you haven't already, uh, unless you want them to stay and you want them to be in here to hear this because I think that, that, I forget what the statistic is, I'm pretty sure it's that most kids already know what intimacy is by the third grade. And so, and it's not the church that teaches them, it's the world. And so I, 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 I'm not going to influence your decision, but however, I want to um, maybe pitch this idea that maybe possibly if we taught our kids what intimacy is, about what God says about intimacy, what, what the church says about intimacy, what the Bible says about intimacy, maybe then we, 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 would, we would be better off and, and in better shape than the current state that we are. And, and maybe it's not that we have any less Questions, but, but I think for, for us to understand what God says, okay, are all the kids out? What God says about sex, that's what we're going to be talking about today, sex. What God says about sex. And I, not only do our kids need to hear this, I think uh, ourselves need to hear this. And, and so the elephant in the room is, how does God see sex? How does, uh, <laughs> if your parents or your kids are in the room, it just got 15 degrees hotter in here. How do, <laughs> how does God feel about sex? How does God feel about sexuality, sexual expression? Uh, and the reason this is an elephant in this room in the room is because uh, we we just don't like to talk about it. And that's just the truth. It makes us feel icky, you know. Sex—I don't. That's not something you're supposed to talk about, you know. And uh, and and then we see that so many people have so many questions, and nobody has the answers because nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to look into it. And and you know, uh, it's 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 just a taboo topic within the church. Um, And 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 I want to make this clear that at some point in our lives. More than likely, everyone here is going to experience some sort of sexual temptation uh, and face some sort of sexual temptation that and I think it's important for us to know what God says about it so we know how to, better off, how to be better off in the way that we respond to this, to this temptation. So this is, this is the elephant in the room today, and, and a lot of us learn about what sex is from the world because the church is too scared to talk about it. Um, and, and I think that's a problem within itself. So, so we're, we're going to take today to, to uncover the topic, to uncover the idea, to, to really just talk about what God thinks, what God feels about sex. So I am very excited today. Um, and, and so if you want to turn to, in, in, in your Bibles, we're going to turn to First Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9. And uh, if you're reading from your Fresh Bibles, it's page, page number 687 and uh, let me give you some background here. Um, this is going to come off really, really strong, and this is, uh, this is Paul writing this to uh, the church of Corinth, by the way. This, uh, Paul's going to c- come off, when we, when we read this, he's going to come off very strong, very aggressive, like, ah, this is what God says about sex, and, and if, you, <laughs> if you grew up in the church, um, more than likely, you may have already heard this verse, and uh, you may have already heard it, hur- uh, heard it thrown at you uh, in a, in a con- condemning way, um, and so I, I want to understand I want you to understand the, the context in which Paul is writing this. And that is that the church of Corinth is a, is a very, very new church. And uh, I mean, we're, we're not even in the AD hundreds yet. I think this was written in like the 40s or the, between 40, 60, 70, I don't know. Um, but it was, it was, I mean, just tens of years after Jesus left this earth and just ascended into heaven. So so it, 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 this is the, the great commission is for us to go out and make disciples of all nations. So this is what Paul is doing. He's going out and he's starting a whole bunch of churches all over the place. And Corinth the church of Corinth is one of them. Now, I need you to understand the context in, 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 in the city of Corinth um, is that it's, it's rooted in, in pagan beliefs. It's rooted in pagan beliefs. Uh, everything that they do there is, is pretty much whatever they want to do. Um, it's, it's like Sin City, but in, in, in the Bible. Um, so this Corinth is a very dark city and, 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 and filled with, with sexual immorality and everything like that. And so, so Paul is, is, is coming off maybe a, a bit strong and, and aggressive because he wants the people of Corinth to understand, he wants the church of Corinth to understand how important this is that we live our lives in a way that is honoring to God. And so um, I, heard, I heard a pastor say this once. That the Church of Corinth, because they were a new church, they were cleansed in righteousness. But they still had some ratchetness to them. Um, so this is, this is the, the Church of Corinth. And, you know, they, they, were, they, were, they would just have sex with anyone, anywhere, at any time. They didn't care. Um, so much so that they were even prostitutes in the places of worship, just saying, take me home after you go to church. I mean, this was rooted in the culture, and because the the. Because the church was so new, the the, the church was um, being influenced by the world instead of the church influencing the world. The church was being influenced by the world instead of the church influencing the world. In fact, chapter five, Paul had to address an issue with uh, with a man who was having sex with his stepmother. Um, and Paul's like, I, I can't believe I need to even write this, but this is the the church of Corinth, and 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 they're just they're a little lost, and so Paul's trying to really steer them back to following the true Jesus, following the genuine Jesus, and being in relationship with the one true God, and not falling uh, not falling short in any other um, in any other. Uh, area of, of their lives. And so, so that's, that's kind of the background knowledge for, for, the, for the church of Corinth. And uh, this is what we're going to be reading today from, verse, from, from chapter 6, from verse 9. We'll finish out the chapter in verse 20. So everyone turn there. We got the Sky Bible up. Yeah, we do? Okay. Now, again, this is Paul writing, not me. But I agree with him, but don't throw tomatoes at me, okay? Verse 9, don't you realize, oh, sorry, this is probably how you've heard it before. Ah, let me calm down. Don't you realize, <laughs> don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes, female too, but he was writing to a specific, uh, specific group of people. Male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, because that's all it takes just to call on the name of Jesus. So they were once like this, some of them, but, but you've, been, uh, you've been introduced to new life through Jesus. Verse 12, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to any Thing. You say, food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. Eh, this is true, though, some, uh, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They, they were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should, should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never, never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that the body is the temple, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now this is, a, this is, again, this is a tough passage of scripture to hear, but I want you to understand that, that Paul is, is writing this with such passion and such zeal to see these, the, the people of Corinth, the church of Corinth who have been transformed by the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. He doesn't, want them to, he, don't want, he doesn't want to see them throw their lives away on something that they can't control themselves for. And so this is why he's so passionate about this. And so this, this, is our, this is our elephant in the room today of how does God feel about sex? What does God say about sex? Is sex just all a bad thing? Is it, can I talk? Is, oh my gosh, I'll do it again. ADHD, I'm thinking about something else, sorry. Which I shouldn't do, I shouldn't say that either. Anyways, is, is sex before marriage a sin? Or is it just old school? Is it just something that, that, you know, the church was trying to say years and years ago to control everybody? I mean, this is the stuff I want us to uncover today. And and why should we care? Why should we care about what this says? So this is our elephant in the room today. We're going to pray, and uh, please don't throw tomatoes at me today, all right? All right. Thank you, Jesus thank you, Jesus, so much for this day. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your messengers and and who you've called to to um to to forward the message of of your love and your grace and mercy for every single one of us. God, I just pray you'd speak to us this morning and and allow us just to all lay it down at your feet and uh, just say what you want us to say this morning and let us hear what you want us to hear and go out and do what you want us to do and ultimately just come and have your way in this place in our lives and transform us from the inside out. and This is all we ask of you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, all the church said, amen, amen. So no doubt uh, that sex is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. Yes, um, you know, which, which is understandably so, because, you know, sex is supposed to be a private thing. You know, it's supposed to be an intimate thing. Uh, it's, it, maybe we're ashamed of, of, of sex, and maybe, maybe it just makes us feel weird. Maybe we have weird um, weird memories or weird thoughts about sex, and so we just kind of just, let's just put it to the side. Let's not talk about it. This is, this is how, um, you know, th- this is what a lot of us uh, feel, feel like, is because it's an uncomfortable topic, we don't want to talk about it, but but because it's an uncomfortable topic, that's exactly why I want to talk about it today, because the church specifically is notorious um, for, for trying to put the topic to bed not, not the, wait, maybe I shouldn't use that phrase, to, to dismiss, the church is trying to dismiss the topic of sex. Man, that's not what I meant to say. Um, we just like to end the conversation quickly. We like to end the conversation quickly uh, because it is awkward to talk about. It is weird and, and, and it makes us feel some sort of way, you know, towards everybody. And, and um, this makes the church famous for lines like, just wait till you're married. I'm sure you've heard this before. Just, just wait till you're married. Or, or talk about how bad sex is. Oh, sex is gross. Sex is sinful. Sex is, is disgusting. Sex is bad. Sex is dirty. So save it for your spouse. Like, what a wonderful gift, you know? It's like, <laughs> here you go. Um, or, or you know, maybe you, you you've grown up like like I have, and and uh, it's like you know, if you have sex, you're gonna die. It's like what? Oh my gosh, I don't want to do this, you know. And uh, the, the, here's your scarlet letter. Uh, so so it, it's I, this is this is how I grew up. You, you don't talk about sex. You don't you don't ask about sex. You don't you don't think about sex. And surely you just don't have sex. That's just what it is. You, you this can I have it? Can I have a, have I said sex enough today? <laughs> be be it's gonna happen a lot more maybe you grew up like this too, where your, your mindset was, ah, sex is not good. We got to just ignore all of it. And, uh, and, and, and so this, this creates, um, this creates problems within our, within our relationships because, because no one's stepped into the plate, stepped up to the plate to talk about it. Uh, we just really don't know a whole lot about it. And, uh, and you know, the church, I, the church, with good intentions, I do believe, with good intentions, um, really kind of set this in motion, again, with good intentions, but they succeeded in getting their point across that sex before marriage is not good, uh, but at the cost of, of an entire generation thinking that God is just waiting for an excuse to punish them. God is waiting for an excuse to be, to be mad at you, and, 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 he, and he wants to watch you suffer, which is not true at all, and, and he wants relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to watch you succeed. He wants to bless you. He really does. But because we've got this skewed idea in our head that oh, sex is bad, and the church says you're going to hell. it's like, oh man, this, this God, this, this big guy in the sky is just waiting to, 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 to show me how bad I am, or, or tell me that I'm wrong, or, like I said last week, throw lightning bolts at me. And, this is our, our view that we've developed, and again, I think it's unintentional. I don't think the church intentionally tried to do this, but I'm just trying to address the situation. This is probably how most of us grew up, or at least some people have heard this about the church, because the church was unwilling to talk about it much deeper than it's bad, it's a sin, and just don't do it. Um, since the church wasn't willing to talk about it, the world was. Since the church wasn't willing to talk about it, the world was. And somewhere along the way, we went from a generation who viewed sex as bad to a generation who viewed sex as nothing. And this is the world we live in today, is that our generation views sex as nothing. It's, it's no big deal. It's only physical. It's not, not anything at all. And I think there couldn't be any further from the truth. But this is, this is also how the church in Corinth was. This is also how the church in Corinth was. They they just they they thought because I've got freedom in Christ, I can. That means that I can do whatever I want. And, and I think it's an important, um, it's an important, uh, it's an important. What's the word I'm looking for here? It's an important difference between being freed from sin and being freed to sin. Jesus didn't free us to sin. Jesus didn't free us to to still be slaves to sin. No, he freed us from sin. He freed us to to be to be able to stand up and say, you know what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I. I'm going to reject this temptation and walk the other way this but 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 the Church in corinth was like ah the 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 pagan culture around us says that sex is good, and we just do whatever we want whenever we want, so it's easier to give in to temptation than to resist it and so the, this 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 letter from Paul is addressing like no, 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 sex is so much bigger than 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 just what you're feeling in the moment and 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 he, and, and he's addressing this and and he understands that you know like the, the church of Corinth is like, oh, well, Jesus freed us to sin because he loves us, right? You know, whatever we do, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? You know, whatever we do, we're going to be covered by God's grace because God loves us. And Paul's like, yeah, yes, he does love you, but because he loves you, he doesn't want to see you be stuck in this pattern of sin. He doesn't want to be, see you be stuck in this pattern of separation from him. He doesn't want to see you be stuck in this pattern of, of ruining your life. And so, this is Paul's passion, is what he's, he's, he's trying to portray to, to, to the church in Corinth. And, and, and so, he, this whole letter, he talks about a whole bunch of different topics. It talks about church division, pastors, food, and communion. Like whenever they used to get together for communion, they would have real wine, you know, back in the good days. And uh, the church in Corinth would actually drink so much wine, they would get drunk at church. And Paul's like, you're missing the point, guys. church attendance was really high, but uh, it wasn't, that was the the wrong way of going about it, you know. He talks about worship. He talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about heaven and hell, and and he talks about sex. And sex happens to be one of the, one of the big ones, one of the big topics. And and uh, Paul's like, look, when we, when we decide to follow Jesus, we are to follow him with every part of our lives, including our sex lives. And we are to, to be under the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to guide our lives. We are to give him our whole lives, even our sex lives. And, but their big hurdle was, was the pagan culture. And, and like I said, it was easier to give in to temptation than it was to it, which is why Paul says in verse 18, he says, run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. Don't just walk away from it. Don't just try to not look at it or, or just turn your head, but run from it. Get out of the place because no other sin so clearly affects your own body the way that sexual sin does. And there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament of, of Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You know what I'm talking about? Um, there's, there's this uh, situation Joseph gets himself in, and uh, his, his, his king, Potiphar, his, uh, Potiphar's wife actually tries to seduce Joseph, and so he finds himself in the situation, and Potiphar's wife is like, take me, and he's like, oh my gosh, no, and so <laughs> I love this, though, because the Bible says he ran out of the place so fast, he left his coat behind him, which got him in trouble, but uh, he ran out of the place. Sometimes self-control looks like the using the, the 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 two eyes that God gave you to see the door, and using your two legs that God gave you to walk or to run out of that door. And so 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 run from sexual sin. This is this is not no other sin clearly affects the body the way that this one does. And, and I, let me just address this, is that I know what some of us are feeling right now, like, ah, oh, come on, uh, just one more way that God's going to control my life and steal all my fun and, and not let me live in this freedom, you know, I, I only have one life, YOLO, and, and I'm just trying to, you know, uh, why does God got to do all this? He's trying to ruin my fun. And I get it, I get it, I get it. But please hear me out. I, I get the way that the, that the church has maybe portrayed this in a light that, that says God is just angry at you and God wants to control you and have all your, take all your fun away. And I, I get where you, you might, we might develop this thought process in that. But, but I want you to hear me out today and, and let me share a perspective that I think you might have probably never heard before about the way that God views sex. Are you ready for it? God wants you to have good sex. No amens. Okay. God wants you to have good sex. Are you hearing me today? God wants you to have good sex. I promise you he does. Why? Because God created sex. Amen. God created. Sex. God created sex to be good, and God created good sex. He created sex to be this word we don't like in the church. Pleasurable, yeah, he did. And 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 oh, amen. Um, so, so, sex is not bad. Sex is not meaningless. Sex is good. Sex is very good. First Timothy four four says this: Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. And y'all better believe I'll be thanking the Lord every single day that I wake up next to my wife. <laughs> because God created sex and it is good. God wants, I know your face is getting red. You know what's good, babe. Come on. <laughs> you know what's good. <laughs> God created sex and sex is created to be good. Just look at the creation story. Look at the creation story. Sorry, I'll try to serious up a little bit. Look at the creation story. Uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, in, 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 they didn't have any clothes on, right? <laughs> they had this massive garden with all these beautiful, luscious trees and plants and anything that they could eat of except for one. And, and it was just, it was, God designed this for them. And he's like, hey, you're naked. And, and they, it says, the Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. They felt no shame, which tells me that, you know, Eve wasn't looking in the mirror like, I don't know, I just, and, you know, Adam wasn't trying to do push-ups to get swole the next time he saw Eve you know and so it's it's, they were naked and they felt no shame which means that it was they probably had the best sex life of anyone on earth to be honest and and so um you god created this whole thing and he's like hey go out and get freaky like it's this is what i created it for you know and 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 so, so god made sex to be good but 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 good things always have guidelines hear me Good things always have guidelines. Just as God made the garden good, remember, he gave them guidelines for that too. He said, look, you've got this entire thing, all of this wonderful beauty and majesty, and we get to be in relationship with the other. You two get to be in relationship with, the other, with each other, and, and we've got this whole life we can build together. But I just need you to, 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 to obey me, and just one small request that I have is don't eat from this... The fruit of this tree over here. Just one. You've got all these other trees. Just not one. Because there had to be guidelines in order for there to be a genuine relationship, right? As if if Adam and Eve had no choice but to choose God, then, then it wouldn't be a genuine relationship. but if they have a choice to walk away from temptation and choose God, to choose to be in right standing with God, then, then that is a good and, 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 and a, that is a good relationship, and not everybody's a bunch of robots, right so, so there are guidelines even in the garden to say uh, be, um, to, to, to establish their relationship because guidelines are a good thing because God knew that outside of their obedience, outside of this guideline that's that, that sin would enter the world. And when sin enters the world, our, we, sin cannot be in the presence of a holy, righteous God, so they would have to be separated, right? This is the... the, the, the um uh, the, the, the introduction to sin, this is how sin entered the world, is, is through their disobedience, through not with, uh, withholding the guidelines, not staying within the guidelines, that God gave them all this other thing, all these other things, and yet they still chose to, to go against his guidelines, and so God knew that outside of the guidelines that they would be separated, and that's exactly what happened, it's because God's parameters are for our protection, if you're taking notes today, really write that one down and, and just, just chew on that for a really long time. God's parameters are for our protection. God's parameters are for our protection. I'll prove it to you. Those of you who have a backyard and a dog, um, you put up a fence, right? Some of us have put up a fence, right? And, and what is the fence for? It's not to keep other dogs from coming in, right? No, it's to keep your dog from getting out, right? So, so if you don't have, or if you have the fence, you can let them run, and they just go wild, like, woo, yeah, you know, they just poop everywhere. It's great, and, and so that's, within the guidelines, you know that your dog is safe, but if you don't have a fence, and you let them out, and they just take off, you spend the rest of the afternoon trying to find them, and then and they're going to be in the neighbor's yard, you know, so a, there's, there's a whole dangerous world outside of that fence, outside of that guideline, outside of that parameter that, that you know your dog is not safe outside of the fence. But if he's within the fence, he can have all the fun that he wants. He can, he can enjoy your backyard because of that fence. If you don't have a fence, you have a leash right? If you don't have a fence, you have a, a leash. It's something to contain them, something to give them the guidelines. Hey, you cannot go any further from me than what this leash will allow, because I want you to be safe. This is, and this is why we have guidelines. Another one, this is probably a more relevant example. Um, when you were growing up, or maybe you're growing up now, and your mom says, don't stay out past 9 p.m., She's not trying to ruin your fun. Maybe she is. But most of the time, she's not trying to ruin your fun. It's because she knows what she did when she was a kid, your age, after 9 p.m. And she's trying to protect you from that, okay? Parameters are for our protection. Guidelines are good. And when God, the creator of all things good, gives us uh, directions or instructions on how to keep things good, and when he gives us a boundary, we, we're like, no, that's, that's not right. He's just, he's too controlling. That's, come on. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to follow my heart. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is when, when, when we understand the guidelines are good, but when God gives us certain guidelines, certain parameters, we're just like, he's too controlling for me. Not about that. If, if you were to buy a brand, let's just say you were to buy a brand new Chevy diesel truck. I don't know why you would at these gas or at these diesel prices, but let's just say you did, Right. You bought this brand new Chevy 2500 diesel truck. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then you go to the, to the, to the fuel station. And you see the diesel's, you know, $6 a gallon. You're like, wow, that's, I didn't expect that you know what? They don't really know what they're talking about. Like, I, come on, I know my truck, right? So, so you go to the gas pump, and you try to put gas in your diesel truck. What's going to happen when you go against the manufacturer's recommendations for what they say is what you're supposed to be putting in the tank? What are you filling your tank with? It's something that the, that the manufacturer said not to fill your tank with. What's going to happen? It's going to break, and you're going to spend a whole lot of time, energy, and resources trying to fix that, trying to get it back to its original operating design, all because you decided that you didn't believe the manufacturer's recommendations when you put gas in your diesel truck. You ruin it. So, 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 so when it comes to sex, we're, we so quickly disregard the parameters that the creator, the, the manufacturer, has put into place because we just don't like it. Uh, not for me. But, but we, we, if we take the time and actually look at why he puts these guidelines in place, we might understand his heart for us. And so, so, so Paul reminds us of, of, of what these parameters are. There's not very many. What these parameters are for, um, for sex and, and what God designed to be as good sex. And it's in 1 Corinthians uh, verse, chapter 7, verse 2. And I think it's going to be on the screen. It says, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. These are the only parameters that ultimately God puts in place for this, this wonderful thing called sex. And these are the only parameters. He says, look, it's, it's, it's one man and one woman in a covenant relationship with each other, in a covenant marriage with each other. This is how you can have good sex. And any other variation, combination, or mutilation of this design will lead you down a road of, of unhealthy, un, 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 lead you down the road of an unhealthy spiritual life and, and ultimately separation from God. Because this is what God designed to be as good sex, one man and one woman in a covenant relationship. And ultimately, anything outside of that is sin. And it's not this, it's, again, it's not this condemning word that we throw like, yeah, you're going to hell, you're doing wrong. But ultimately, really, it's, it's, it's separating us from God. It's, it's tearing our souls apart from, from God because we're, we're ultimately saying that, hey, um, I know better than you, and I trust my own ways more than I trust yours. And, and we're going against God's manufacturing, or manufacturer's recommendation for what he calls good, and we're making it not good. This is what sin is. It's, it's, it's separation from God. But a lot of us, we don't like to, to hear that because, well, maybe that um, messes with our lifestyle a little bit. I've heard, I've heard this before, too. A pastor said this. He's like, you know, how you can get a crowd to be really, really quiet when you preach? He said, <laughs> talk about sex and talk about money, because people really don't like when you mess with their idols. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's true. Well, this is what happens when, when the world has more authority and more influence in our lives than the church does, than what God's word does. And it's not always great to hear, but I think it needs to be heard. Because ultimately, sin is what separates us from God. And and Paul is saying to the Corinthians and ultimately all Christians, that look, when we we decide to follow Jesus, we have to give him all of who we are. We have to give him all of our our whole selves, not just part of yourself. Let him have your body too. Let him have your sexuality too and let it honor him by by coming under the trust uh, of saying, God, maybe I don't understand these parameters. Maybe I don't agree with these parameters, but you know what? I'm going to trust that your ways are good and I'm going to trust in this and, and let my body honor are you in that way, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, that um, there's a statistic out there that 70% of divorces, I hate statistics because you, that's, every single one of them is a different story, but just to, just to use this, 70% of divorces come from people that, um, that have had sex with more than just their spouse. 70% of divorces are, are, are a result of someone, someone in the relationship having sex with someone that is not their spouse. And so the, the numbers show that God is clearly on to something when he, when he set up these guidelines, when he set up these parameters, and, and surely we should trust him, even when we don't understand it, because God's word has more authority than our understanding of it. And God says in Isaiah 55 my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But when we disregard God's parameters and guidelines for something so important as sex, we ultimately are saying my ways are higher than God's ways. My thoughts are higher than God's thoughts. I'm going to do what I want because the heart wants what it wants. <clears throat> Trying to loosen you up a little bit. But God set up these parameters and these guidelines, not because he wants to control you, hear me, but he wants to protect you. He really does. He wants to protect your marriage, whether you're married right now or whether it's your future marriage. He wants to protect your your spirituality and your emotional uh, health. He, He wants to protect your sex life, and he wants it to be good. He's not trying to steal your fun, but he knows what happens when we go outside of the guidelines and what happens when we undervalue sex. And we undervalue its weight that it has on our lives. The Corinthians had a saying in verse uh, 13 of the passage we read. Um, it, says, it says, food was made for the stomach. And stomach was made for, uh, yeah, I think it's up here. Food was made for the stomach. Oh, that's the wrong 13. Sorry. 613. Food was made, I'll just read it, food was made for the stomach and stomach was made for the food. And, and so, so, so Paul is in the middle of his spiel on, on sex and how we're to use our bodies and then he just spits out this random bit of information like, thanks Paul, I'm not really hungry right now but I appreciate the, the, uh, the context here. But, and if you read it too quickly, you may not understand exactly what Paul is trying to say and, 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 and so this is what Paul is trying to say. He says, look, we all get hungry we, we all have this, this desire in our, in our stomachs that needs to be satisfied. So, so, so what do you do when you're hungry? It's not a trick question. You eat. What do you do when you're hungry? You, you, you eat. And, and so the longer you go without eating, uh, the hungrier you get, and the hungrier we get, the more willing we are to settle for less and less and less. One, you've, you've, um, you've seen the nutritional facts and the nutritional values. I don't know. I don't look at them, but it's like, you know, with the sugars and everything, and you, you just see this big cheesecake and you're like, wow, you know, 10,000 grams of sugar. Oh, I would never eat that in my entire I would never eat the whole thing. I cannot imagine putting that in my body. And then it's sitting on a plate right in front of you, and the cherries are coming down. You're like, ooh, you know, that does sound really good right now. And, and we're starting to dream like, mm, that would be pretty good. And then, so you're like, I'll just have a little slice, just a little slice of the of the cheesecake, the cherry cheesecake. And, and so so you eat a little slice, you're like, oh, I'm already one slice in, I might as well get two, you know, and, and so, soon enough, you find out that you've eaten the entire slice of pie, something you said you would never do in a million years, and yet, because it was right in front of you, you made the decision, hey, I, I I will eat that, and, and so this is, this is what Paul is getting at. When you're hungry, you eat, and, and I, I think you might see where, where I'm going with this. When, when, when we're hungry, we all get hungry, we all get hungry. We all get hungry. Our stomachs rumble a little bit. And we want anything and everything that we can get to satisfy this desire. And Paul's saying, you better, you better watch what you allow to be on your plate. Because it's when it's sitting right in front of you. Man, it's so much harder to resist than when you're reading the package. Man, you better watch what's on your plate. You better watch what's right in front of you. It's so much harder to resist, and when it looks so good, and, and, and you really feel like this is what you want in the moment, it looks so good right now. But but watch why, watch what you put on your plate before it gets there, because it's so much harder to resist once it's there. And I I, I think Paul is 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 can give us some of the greatest bits of advice from from 1 Corinthians, and one of them being run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. Run from anything that is not God's design for sex. Why? Because it's going to to lead you down a path of of spiritual lostness, and you're going to wake up one day and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am anymore. It's because we couldn't run from it, because it seemed good in the moment. You know, it's, it's, it, maybe, maybe the longer we flirt with sin, the more we can justify it in our heads. It's just dinner. Eh, I'm just going over to watch a movie on the couch. We're just going to cuddle on the couch to watch a movie. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a flirty text. I, you know, my, my wife won't find out about it. It's, I, I'm just looking at it once. It's, it's not going to change my life. It's just once. Or maybe sometimes we'll say, it's just the last time. It's the last time. It's the last time. I promise myself it's the last time. It's the last time. And yet we keep putting it back on our plate and we're trying to tell ourselves we'll say no. And once we get there and it just doesn't happen, it's the last time. Just put it on the plate again. It's the last time. It's the last time. Paul's saying, look, you have to run when you see sexual temptation in your lives, which we're all prone to. We're all prone to temptation. We're all prone to sexual temptation. But he's saying, do whatever you have to do to get out of the place. Go for a run. Go for, go for a drive. Maybe if, if, it's, if, if it follows you, maybe leave it behind. Or maybe sexual temptation, resisting it and running from it means getting rid of your phone, getting rid of your TV, getting rid of your computer, even though everyone has one, but I can't control myself enough to to use this in a way that's honoring God, so I'm just going to get rid of it. Maybe that looks like getting rid of your boyfriend, running and leaving him behind. He tells me he'll love me. It, 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 it will be closer. That's true, but not in the way that you want. Leave them behind. I'm in a nice, in a godly and loving way, of course. And don't do it over text. Come on. Whatever you have to do to get out, get out. I promise you, what's going to benefit your life. When we, when we decide to follow Jesus, it's an amazing moment that happens when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus. Jesus forgives us, uh, forgives us of our sin. And because, there, because of the forgiveness of sin in our lives, the Holy Spirit is able to come into our lives and guide our lives. And we become one with, with God and we become the righteousness of God. It's an amazing moment that happens. And another sermon for another time. Could, I could spend hours talking about how awesome it is and how prophetic it is. But... Just know this, that whenever you decide to follow Jesus, and you, I mean, truly, genuinely, not like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll put it on Facebook or I'll, you know, share a verse of the day. But I mean, like, truly, genuinely, with your whole heart, with your whole soul, to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit became, becomes a part of your life, and he's able to guide you and, and to lead you into all righteousness and lead you into all truth. That's, the, that's part of his job. That's what he does. And so that little voice in your head you hear sometimes is the Holy Spirit saying, ah, maybe that's not a good idea. But this is what Satan loves to do. This is what the world loves to do. Is, 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 he loves to drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit with anything else that it can. It loves to drown out the Holy Spirit by, by any means possible. That way you can, whether that's telling you a lie, um, <clears throat> whether that's, that's whispering lies to you or, or telling you things that just are not true and, and, and could never be true, but we believe it because it's, it's louder in our lives than what the Holy Spirit is. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit sounds a whole lot like a whisper. And in order to hear a whisper, sometimes you got to get rid of everything else and be close and to know what to do, to know how you can run from sexual temptation, and and, and use your body in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God, because ultimately that's what draws you closer to Him. Understand, too, that, that temptation is not your sin. Temptation is you coming to the decision on whether... You choose Jesus or whether you choose anything else. So whatever you're tempted by, don't let Satan tell you a lie that because you're tempted by this thing that you are a bad person, because you're tempted by this thing that you're lesser than, because you're tempted by this thing that you're, you're completely never going to be, <clears throat> never gonna be uh, able to be a part of the family of God. That's not true at all. Everyone faces temptation, and Satan's going to try everything he can in his power to get you to not choose Jesus. But well, when we're faced with this temptation, no matter what it is, it's our response that either leads us closer to Jesus or leads us further away from Jesus. It's our response to the temptation. Uh, 1 Corinthians says this in, in chat. I don't even know where it is in my notes anymore. For, uh, is it 1 Corinthians 10? I think <clears throat> the temptations in your life are no different <clears throat> than from what others experience, and, and, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And part of knowing that way out of temptation is, is being close to Him, being in His Word, being in, fervent in prayer. Be, um, 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 be, just being close and being in his, in his presence. This is how we hear the voice of God. This is how we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to help us, and he'll always give us a way out of temptation so that we can honor God with our bodies. Now, uh, my goal today is not for us to, not for the church to control you, not for me to control you. That's not what it is. I just want us to be a church that in every situation, from sexual temptation to anything else, that we always just choose Jesus. Always choose a way that honors God with what we've been given because He so graciously gave it to us. And I understand that, you know, maybe talking about a topic like this can create awkward tensions, and maybe some thoughts are rolling around your head right now of things you used to do, or people you used to hang out with, or things that you are not even sure you've been delivered of, and I want you to, I want you to know that, that these thoughts of condemnation and shame and guilt are not from God. These, 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 uh, these thoughts of, of condemnation are not from God. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, this is not who he is. This is Satan getting in your head and saying, you're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of God's grace. You're too bad. You're too broken. But I've got some good news for you today. Jesus died for the too bad and the too broken. And he calls us the righteousness of God when we accept this free gift of forgiveness. And up until this point, from this point forward, everything that happened to the past is in the past. And everything that happens in the future starts today. If We, get, we, we have the opportunity to choose Jesus right now in this moment, no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, even if it was 15 years ago, and, and Satan's bringing up these, these, these thoughts in your head, I promise you it's, it's not of, God, because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we can walk out different than the way we came in today, and not let this 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 sexual, um, the sexual shame, lord over us anymore. Because Jesus is Lord over us from this point forward. So I, I want to address that today to make sure that we're not leaving worse than the way we came in. Because ah, oh, I'm, I'm a sinner. Ah, oh, I'm 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 bad. I'm I'm broken. I'm incapable of receiving God's love, and it's not true at all. The reason you're here today is because he orchestrated everything for you to be in this place, to hear the message that he loves you so, so much, and he's called you to a new life with him. So the elephant in the room today is, is how does God feel about sex? How does God feel about sexuality Sexual expression. How does God feel about this? And, and the answer is, he loves it. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. And it's really wonderful, believe me. But there are parameters and guidelines that make it that way. So that nothing else, no evil, no, no, no forces of the enemy can come into your sex life and ruin it from the inside. God sets up parameters to keep us safe and to keep us protected and ultimately to keep us close to him. So let's stand up on our feet today. I've talked enough about sex, 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 sex. <laughs> You're like, what kind of church did I come to today? Again, I hope this, isn't a, this, is, this doesn't come off as condemning. I promise you this is coming from a place of love because I... Like Paul, I, I want us to be protected in our sex lives. I want us to be to be honoring God in our sex lives and in every part of our life, really. But, 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 but like Paul says, you know, sexuality and, and sexual sins affect us to, uh, in such a way that no other sin does. And, and he wants to protect you, and God wants to protect you. And, and ultimately, I want to protect you, too. That's why we wanted to talk about this message today. And, and I hope that this doesn't come off as condemning because it's not. But, but honestly, it is coming from a place— of love. Because ultimately, by me loving you is, is me showing you a way that is closer to Jesus. And, and that's ultimately what we want to do. So just know that this is out of love and not out of condemnation or shame or abuse or anything like that. Control, nothing like that. Strictly from love. Because God loves you and, and He wants to be close with you. So let's let's make the let's make the point today to not let the enemy come into any other part of our lives, especially our sexuality, and ruin it from the inside, corrupt it from the inside. And let's let God be glorified in every aspect of our lives. That's our challenge today. Let me pray over you and bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you so much for your, your grace. Thank you so much for your mercy and that we can walk in here and not set the place on fire like some of us think we would. Or We can walk in here and not feel ashamed. We can walk in here and not feel condemned but, and, and just to ultimately feel your love, Jesus, and, and feel your presence and know that, that you are for me and that you are with me and nothing can stand against our love. Nothing can stand against your love for me and for us. So I thank you for this this ability to walk in the place knowing this and walk out of it knowing it even better and being able to spread it into the world. And God, that's what we pray today. I pray that your love would just be resting on us and, and, and your presence would just be resting on us that everywhere we go and everywhere that we, we every situation that we're in, we, we just are able to shift the room, shift the atmosphere because of your presence and your love that is not only for us, but everyone that we come in contact with. So God, this is what we ask today. God, I thank you for your, your parameters. I thank you for your guidelines that are, here to protect us, not to punish us, but to protect us and keep what you call good, good and not corrupt, not evil, but you call it good. Thank you for your good parameters. Thank you for your good guidelines, your good boundaries in all aspects of our life to keep us close to you. I just pray as we, as we go out of this place, you would keep this message on our minds and and, and keep what you've sp- spoken to us on our minds as we go out and we live life on Monday and we live life on Tuesday and we live life on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and we ultimately come back into this place again on Sunday. But, but God, let this be more than just a Sunday decision. Let this be more than just a right now decision but a decision we'll make every single step of the way for the rest of our lives. Choosing you and experiencing this true abundant life that you have for us. I pray that you would give us the boldness and and, and the courage to follow you, to start a relationship with you today, which ultimately is just deciding to follow him. I pray you give us the boldness and the courage to do that today and, and let us live that out in every aspect of our lives, in every area, in every decision we make. Let it all be glorifying to you, Jesus. God, we love you and we praise you we give you the the outside of who we are. We give you the inside of who we are, all-encompassing. We give you our whole lives in this place. Pray you bless us and keep us and let your face shine upon us and give us peace. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty, holy, wonderful name, all the church said, amen, and amen, and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life, because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus.